1: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast.
3: Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Gnome. She has endometriosis. Let's talk about it. We're really excited. Uh, We're really excited to uh to be uh back again. The last time we did this, we had a really lovely conversation with uh, Shahiza who uh, was electrocuted. Um, <laughs> and uh, why is that funny? I
1: don't know. <laughs> no, <know>. it just <laughs> is though. It is though. It's funny
3: the way that it sounds.
0: It yes. is. Yeah.
1: Electrocuted is just a funny yeah. word. It's um, fun- why
0: why is it funny? Is it funny know. because it's, like, sort it's of unbelievable. He, there's not a lot of people that get electrocuted. Yeah, I think it's because right. when I
1: think of electrocuted, I think of somebody grabbing something and then them starting to flash, and as they flash, you see their skeleton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll edit so, that we <laughs> uh, So uh,
3: today, we're actually, we're actually uh, talking about something that is, I think, will be equally as electrifying. Um, oh, okay. Uh, today, we are joined uh, by our new friend all the way over from... London,
1: London,
3: London, England. London, uh, folks, put your hands together and <laughs> Why, uh, hey? say hello. I to our friend Gnome. Hello, hey, Gnome. Hey, what's up?
2: All good. How are you?
3: <laughs> uh, Great. We're, thanks. We're pretty good. Taylor? It's kind of late over there, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's eleven something.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's my yeah. bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll be sure to keep this uh, productive. Uh, no, you yeah. are, uh, you're an interesting guest because you are uh, what is, what is referred to in the biz as a, uh, a cro- collector of chronic diseases, or at least that's something that you like to title yourself. The biz. Um, <laughs> there's, there's much more fun things to collect, um, but I guess you, you didn't really have a choice in this collection, did you?
2: No, I didn't sign up for that, but I'm owning it. You know, I am a collector of chronic diseases. It's just one of those things that I do.
3: <laughs> It'd be really nice if you like, 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 as collectors of NFTs, it like if you could sell <laughs> off your diseases and, and make a make a killing off of uh, ah. selling your selling the rarities
0: well, of your disease.
3: Let's see, that was uh, a minute forty six
0: seconds yeah, before you
1: mentioned NFTs. Until you know, chair mentioned <laughs> NFTs. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to find out as we get into this conversation. Like if I was going to a record store and I was sifting through the collection of records there, like what would be what would be the, what would be the coolest find that I would find in your collection of chronic, chronic illnesses? Yeah. illnesses. Yeah. If you were gonna sell your
3: chronic illnesses online, uh, which which one do you think you would uh, sell for the which would c- catch the highest price?
2: Oh my, that's a really hard question. They're all so desirable. Um, <laughs> you know, I, and I'm not sure I'm, I I want to sell any of them at this point. You know, the value is sky high, and it's only going up. So right, that's <laughs> a right. that's a strong uh, hold.
3: you to hold hold on.
2: I'm gonna hone on to them if that's all right with you guys.
3: All yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. That's terrible well, why don't problem. you uh, why don't you let why don't you let our listeners know um, all of the all of the things that unfortunately you are you're dealing with on your on your day to day life.
2: Cool. So. There are a few conditions, but I would kind of narrow it down to, like, a top three so we don't, like, you know, go over it all. (laughs) Sure. Um, But I would say the top three that really affect me on a, like, daily basis are my scoliosis. So my spine is curved. It's actually S-shaped. Cool. I know. Maybe that's probably, like, the coolest one, I think. (laughs) Um, Also, because then I could probably market it and say I'm a limited edition because, you know, I'm a bit different. Mm -hmm and mm-hmm. all of that so that's mm-hmm. cool uh then i also have pkd which is polycystic kidney disease that's a lot of fun and am i allowed to swear or like use bad words
3: fuck <laughs> no 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 no, fuck no fucking, no. No, no fucking <laughs> swears
2: cool so uh who i like to refer to as the alpha bitch of this whole group and kind of Dominates this field, is my endometriosis and endosalpingiosis, which is like a rare form of endo. Um, whoa, whoa. Can, wait, you, well,
3: can you say that again? Yeah. Endosal- endo
2: what? Endosalpingiosis.
3: Whoa. I've Spicy. never heard of that. We, we've talked about endometriosis like, I mean, like several times over the last year, and I've never heard that before. That's.
2: It's, it's much more rare. There's not many people that have it. Um, so, on the rarity game, that probably ranks quite high um, but it's very similar to endometriosis, and it, it's kind of they don 't know much about it. If you think there's not much research about endometriosis, then there's really nothing for that yeah, right. um, and they just treat it in the same way uh, which isn't, mm-hmm. which is an, a very inefficient way
1: yeah <laughs> that's so interesting. i would have um, out of those three out of those three i, I probably if i had to, if i had to be if I had to guess i probably wouldn't I probably would have said. I probably would have said that the scoliosis was the thing that really was the was the biggest thorn in 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 your side, and 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 maybe that's because I can I can it's much easier for me to imagine what it would be like yeah. to have like mm. a kidney issue or a or a spinal issue, but it's kind of hard for me to imagine having having, having yeah, an issue with my with my non-existent ovaries yeah. and and surrounding <laughs> and surrounding parts, um. yeah.
2: To to make it all I don't know if more complex or actually easier to understand, the symptoms they kinda of blend in. Sometimes I'm not really sure <laughs> what causes what. Because if I have mm. back pain, if especially if it's lower back pain, I don't know if it's my kidneys, my endo, or my spine that's causing right. it. Right. Um, and I have endo mm. on my bladder, so when I have bladder issues, I don't know if it's my kidneys or my endo. It's it's just it, it's all like a big party inside, I guess. <laughs>
0: Is, is it just totally um, coincidence that you you live with these three separate conditions or are they in some way linked?
2: I have this uh, belief that they're all connected, but it's not based on anything. And conventional medicine doesn't usually tie things like that together. You know, you just go to the specialist of whatever, you know, have my kidney doctor, my endo doctor, and then the orthopedic doctor, and no, none of them really communicate or it's not like
1: mm.
2: no one really put a link to it. Um, maybe the scoliosis yeah. is not related possibly because it's a completely like different thing. Mm. Um, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the other stuff is connected. Um, and, also and, like joint issues and stuff. I, I, I feel like it's all connected and if it's not coming from the same source, then it's, it's all like affected by the same things and inflammation and all of that.
0: It seems really hard to like, uh, like imagine trying to treat symptoms from like sort of three separate Uh, conditions that you're dealing with. Um, I imagine, like, I wonder if if ever one of your specialists is like, well, you know, that that pain that you're feeling there, that's actually not, that's not related to this thing. So you're like, you're going to want to talk to the other specialist about that. Not in a way where they're like, just it I don't want to, but they're just like deflecting. Like, like I've been doing it... my job, <laughs> but <laughs> the other specialists, you know. They need to pick up the slack. They need to pick up the slack.
2: Yeah, but you're absolutely right. That's why it took me so long to get an endometriosis diagnosis, because whenever I would go in with a complaint, they would always blame it on something that I already have. Right. right. And yeah. I knew that wasn't it. I had a feeling there was something more, and it didn't, like, it didn't tie in. Like, all the facts, I was like, no, that's not it, but... It took 11 doctors and five years to, to even get somewhere
1: with that. Wow. Whoa. So the endometriosis, the, the endometriosis I'm, I'm sh- obviously came later. I'm assuming the. It didn't. Scoli- it just the
2: diagnosis came later.
1: Right, right. The, the diagnosis comes, comes later. I'm assuming this, the, the scoliosis is something I'm assuming you're born with. Yeah. Uh, and so where does, where does the kidney disease begin? So, uh.
2: When I was 19, almost 20, I was a soldier in the Israeli army.
1: <laughs> uh, Whoa.
2: Yeah. Um, it's mandatory. I was born and raised in Tel Aviv in, in California, but that's a different story. Um, and so in, in, in Israel, also girls go to the army, but I didn't have like a very fancy, Oh, well, it was fancy, it wasn't a very hardcore job. I was a singer in an army band, so I didn't have to do anything too crazy.
3: Well, that is the fucking awesome. coolest thing I think I've ever heard any humans yeah. tell me ever. Uh, I was in the ooh. army, but I was a singer in, a, in the army band. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Sign that was my up. job. <laughs> uh,
2: no, don't volunteer that quickly.
3: Okay. I'll take your word, take your word <laughs> for it. It
2: sounds more fabulous now. Right. Um, oh, wait, wait, just hold on one second. Can I, can I, can I, I don't want to
3: spend too much time on this, but I have to ask. Yeah. Let's say you know, world war three is about to break out and you are a 17 year old in the Israeli (laughs) army. And they're like, you got to go. We're we're putting you on the front line. Like, are they putting a guitar in your hands and like going, get out there and fucking sing your little heart out while they go to town on, on the other nations? No. No, Are you sure?
2: Thank fuck for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: No, you're not, you're not on the front line singing.
0: You're in like the, in the mess hall singing power ballads to, like, yeah, charge yeah. everybody up yeah, before they get along. And yeah. I was also,
2: like, in the official army band, so some army bands get to, like, you know, get their hands a bit more, like, like, in the mud, like, go and play to, like, other soldiers that are, like, stuck, I don't know, in this, like, hole of a place, you know, shit hole.
1: Wow. I actually
2: got to do, like, the cooler things in a way because I was in the official band, so I was doing, like, TV, I was doing official ceremonies, so it was kind of, you know, it was kind of chill.
0: That's sweet. What that's was your favorite? You must have a fucking voice then. So, what was your uh, what was your favorite thing to sing?
2: In the army band, I hated the yeah. repertoire completely. It was the worst songs. I didn't like any of it. Um, I like singing and loads of other things though. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just not. I don't know. But um, anyway, it was it was a good experience. <laughs> I met some of my best friends and got loads totally. of good contacts for later on. And you know, some good right. opportunities came after that.
3: So back Um, to the the PKD, which is, I'm sorry, I I totally got sidetracked. No, no worries.
2: I know know it's a story. I know I can't just drop that bomb and not expect (laughs) any sort of backlash, you know? Yeah. Um, But the thing is, when you're a soldier, like, the medical system is terrible. Uh, And also my commander didn't really like me. She had an issue with me. It was a long story. So she didn't really treat me well, and I was mistreated and undertreated for a while. And what happened is that... About six months before I finished my service, I got a UTI, uh, a urinary tract infection, which shouldn't be a big deal. You should probably like, take antibiotics for like five days and it should be over, but it took so long until they actually gave me the treatment, and then they gave me the wrong treatment, and then what ended up happening is I had this UTI last forever, and or it would go away and come back after a week. Mm-hmm. So about five or six months, I was just a zombie on... Incredible doses of antibiotics, um, and intense pain because I had a UTI that was untreated, uh, and eventually it got so bad that it went up to my kidneys. Oh my god! So I had so then that was actually, in a sense, somewhat of a good thing because I had to go to a hospital, which then they actually gave me proper treatment uh, and kind of ended that story. Um, but in, when, when we- I was in hospital, they thought I had kidney stones. So they sent me oh. to get a CT scan and that's
3: how I found out that I have PKD. Uh, okay, so it wasn't it wasn't the the UTI wasn't the cause of the PKD. You had that all along. But if it wasn't for the I wouldn't have The known. really bad, the bad, yeah, right, right. When, when when you say that it it
0: got so bad that you had to go to the hospital, um what like what sort of symptoms were you experiencing? What was what was that like? Um
2: it's when when you have like the UTI, it's like it it stings to wee. You have to do it all the time, and your like lower belly hurts and stuff. And then the pain just kind of went up to my back, oh. where your kidneys are, and I had a high fever. And you, you just know something's wrong. Yeah, um, and that it's really 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 painful. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so what well, I
3: I don't um I don't know a whole lot about PKD. Um, can you, can you give us kind of like a rundown on, on, and it, you know, obviously knowing that you're, you're not a doctor, you, you're a, you're a former, uh, army band, um, <laughs> specialist, uh, yeah, special, exactly. special, special agent, um, uh, army band operator. Um, sure. w- what is in your own words, what is PKD? Uh, what is, so what does that mean to have it?
2: So polycystic means multiple cysts that grow mm. inside your kidneys. I have it in both of my kidneys and it doesn't have to necessarily mean anything too crazy. they're benign for all we know, which is good. Um, but then if they grow, uh, then it can just start like irritating the outer coating of the kidney, and that's when shit really goes south right. um, and it, if if I stay like this the way that I am now, it's not life threatening for me, and I'm doing fine. But if it grows, then then it could lead to like more complex situations. Could even end up in kidney failure and things you don't want to deal with. So I kind of have to watch it. It's monitored every few, you know, every once in a while I go, I get a scan and see that they're staying small and cute. <laughs> and is there is there like active treatment
3: that uh, that you have to do in order to uh, prevent the 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 cysts from kind of like overwhelming your kidneys? So
2: they they don't know, and there's not nothing and it's kind of rare that we know that I have it at this age because usually people find out after it's already done a lot of damage. I found out by coincidence at 20 years old, which is very rare because all the patients that have it are like 50s and in their 50s or 60s Mm. and already have like high blood pressure or like issues with their kidneys like kidney failure need that like to get treatments for that so it's kind of rare they don't really know the prevention state or how to keep it i was just told to lay off the the salt and the caffeine and you know and kind of hope for the best
3: oh no no caffeine oh no (laughs) i could
1: feel all
2: drink (laughs) great oh
3: thank god thank god oh
1: thank fuck there's
2: things that aren't worth it you know
1: people who don't drink coffee no offense, anybody out there, you're... Can't trust you, them. I don't trust them. Like, I did with that all the for
2: long periods of time, but I always come back.
0: Thank I, you. I can't believe Thank that you. I'm I'm now the type of person who... <laughs> I'm not the Tim Hortons type of person that's like, don't even fucking talk to me until I got my cup of Joe in
1: the morning. No, I got my Tim. Uh, Our manager doesn't drink coffee, and every time he reminds me, I, I think about firing him. He yeah. also
3: shouldn't have coffee. He's yeah. one of those people where you're like, if you had coffee... You'd explode.
0: Your head I, would explode. I
1: feel... <laughs> um, I feel
3: sad without coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, um, so, so, Noam, I, I, know, I know through talking with previous guests about um, endometriosis, um, it is, you know, un- unfortunately, we live in a world where it's one of those... Um,
2: An anomaly.
3: W- yeah, w- yeah, one of those diseases that um, affects... Um, uh, you know, people with, with ovaries and, and with female reproductive shitload organs of and yeah. a shitload of people. And, and it's it's for how common it is. It's one of those diseases that takes so long to get a proper diagnosis. And you would even mention that it took 11 doctors in a number of years to get yours. Um, what was that process like? And and can you kind of walk us through the 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 actual receiving Uh, of the diagnosis itself what what, what was that like for you
2: so now that I know that I have it and I know the symptoms and how things should actually be if you don't have endometriosis I know that I've had it since around the age of 15 Um, but when it started I had no reference point and I didn't think that what I was experiencing wasn't normal Mm -hmm. so it took a few years until I actually got to the realization that something's wrong so the, for the first four or five years, I don't think I even suspected it. Um, and it's worth mentioning that it's a progressive disease. So with time, the symptoms get worse. Um, so it wasn't always as bad, but it was there. And it was definitely mm-hmm. bad at times. Um, and there were just weird things that now I think to myself, huh, did I, how did I not realize that it's not normal and not everyone else is like this? But I just, I wasn't talking about it with my friends. It's not something, it's not educated enough. That's part of the reason why... Mm. that it's one of the reasons why it's diagnosed so late.
1: Were you uh, living the, in, uh, were you living in California I wasn't
2: living at the
1: time? Okay. Yeah. I was, I'm, I was wondering like that, that seems to be a very common, that seems to be basically the thing that we hear from anybody that anybody that I've ever talked to with endometriosis has a like a similar story in that, like, yeah. because, because, you know, talking about your period and, and like when you're a teenager, it's a, can taboo. Be a can very taboo subject. So I was wondering like, if, if you know if that's similar in israel or if it's or if it's Um, different
2: i wouldn't say that it's it's similar like any uh, like at least where i grew up in tel aviv it was similar to i'd assume i don't know from personal experience, but i'm assuming it's the same as it is in the states or in london like in any modern city you know but it's it's not not talked about you're not never talking about it but i never had conversations deep enough where i could actually compare my experience and say oh wait that sounds odd you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I had I had you know I've I've had conversations with girlfriends that say that they have period cramps but I never got to know that for them it lasted a day and if they took an Advil they'd feel fine and for me it would last a week and the week before and also I would always it would always hurt when I was ovulating and I thought everyone knew when they're ovulating and that's normal but it apparently isn't <laughs> but I was mm-hmm. always able to tell because it hurt
3: um,
2: so it's things like that that I kind of figured out later on in life that. That's not how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the big turning point was actually the story that I told you about the kidneys. Because up to that point, I've only suffered about half of the time. So I had bad period pain, bad pains the week before and ovulation. So it's kind of like half of the month. Mm-hmm. But ever since the kidney incident and on all the shenanigans <laughs> that went down, <laughs> my pain never went away. That was like the point of no return. Um, From that point on, it was just a 24 hour, seven thing. Um, And obviously when that happened, I had no question and I knew something was wrong. And that's when I started trying to get medical attention and help. And I didn't ever imagine that it would take so long to actually get that. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, What, like with your experience, what like i i find it i am always so blown away with with how it takes so long to get diagnosed um mainly because like from my layperson understanding of endometriosis it's like oh you're having extremely bad pain like m- more intense than typical um people experience around, when when they uh, have their period and then also like you mentioned during ovulation like it seems to me like if if a patient presents with those types of symptoms, you'd be like, Oh, I want to look into this more. And then whatever yeah. else the doctor has to do to diagnose end- endometriosis. And because it's so common, like you would think that they would, that would be something that they would
3: like, a, like would, a screening would process. You first. know, it's like, it, like if someone, if someone presents to a a, a a clinic with like a lump in their breast, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's very, it's yeah. like, okay, we have a process for this. We're going to look it into it. Like, you, the, the, you're you're having this is a symptom of a potential breast cancer we're going to look into it Boom, and, I, and
0: I understand that they don't want to misdiagnose people but I think it's probably more damaging, yeah. to, mis, <laughs> yeah. misdiagnose more than, damaging. to misdiagnose it is more damaging especially that it's you know. progressive so all right.
2: this time it's getting worse and nothing and so, is
0: being so done so I get to, Noam to your experience like like when you went in when you started going to try to really get to a diagnosis like what types of things were you hearing when you were going in to talk about your experience
2: so before I answer you for that I just want to comment on what you said before that on one hand you're absolutely right but endo is really tricky because it presents differently in every person there are different types and the location really matters so some Mm. people could only suffer when they have their period some only suffer when they ovulate some suffer all the time and the presentation is you know the symptoms aren't necessarily the same it's not like a one one done kind of like profile and then you should know it's not an excuse i think doctors should be more aware of it but it, it, it does make it slightly harder because mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't present necessarily in the in the typical way. Because way, when I was already going to seek to seek help, I was suffering all the time. We're talking about mm-hmm. daily chronic pain, so that doesn't necessarily fit the narrative of like bad mm-hmm. period cramps. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it w- it would be interesting to have a doctor. Like we should try to find somebody who specializes mm-hmm. in diagnosing endometriosis because like. They're, I mean, we've heard that you can find endometrial cells all o- over the body. Like you can shed them, and yeah. they can travel. Like so, if you can find them in places, mm. then you'd think that you'd think that it'd be possible well, too. I
1: mean, fuck, I don't know, and dude. That's a that's a outside of our pay grade. <laughs> uh, but
0: I mean, I'm just I, trying I, to get my honorary doctorate. I think there's I
1: think there's definitely there's obviously something to be said about doing something to diagnose it faster. But yeah. but then also when when you've never met a person that has been diagnosed with endometriosis in a timely fashion, there must you can you can you have to kind of start to draw the conclusion that yeah. there's a, a an an okay reason for like an, an accept a semi acceptable reason for that. Like well, I mean like yes, no like like no like Gnome was so, saying not acceptable but well, understandable. understandable, not a, understand, understandable. Un, understandable that yeah. like it that if it's everybody takes so of things. long, yeah, right, yeah. yeah that like yeah. there's something. And so there's that, but then when I
2: was going to see doctors like U.S., then they would, mm. most of them did listen to some extent, but then they would send me to get a blood test and possibly an ultrasound. And those tests, they don't pick up on it. Um, there's only one type of endometriosis that could be seen on ultrasound, sometimes on MRI, but the absence of Endometriosis appearing on any type of scan cannot rule out the fact that you might have the disease, so it can only show you if you do have it, which is in a very small percentage of the cases. But it won't. But it's not. You can't rule it out by that, and a lot of doctors aren't aware of it. So I would. I don't even know how many scans I've done, and how Mm -hmm. many tests uh, and and blood uh, was Mm -hmm. drawn from my arms, and I hate blood tests. That's terrible. Um, Mm -hmm. um. But every time I was told that I was fine. And with what happened was I was in really bad pain. So I would go and I would express it and I would take all these tests hear that I'm fine. Go home with that information. And the way that I would process it is I would be very mean to myself and I would say, stop being dramatic. You don't have anything. Don't make up this thing. Don't be a crybaby. Everybody feels this way. You have to toughen up. You have to Mm. deal with it. It's normal, this is life, you know, this is how being a woman feels like, you know, you just have to... And I would, I would kind of... And I would feel ashamed that I even went and, and tried to, to talk about it and do something. So then I would bottle it up, I would suffer in silence, I didn't tell anyone.
1: Mm. Like I
2: wouldn't tell my closest friends, I barely spoke about it with my partner, which we speak openly about everything but that for a few good years. Um, and I would keep it to myself and then a few months would go by and the pain would get worse as time went by. Mm. Um, and I would keep it quiet and pretend to live a normal life until I couldn't take it anymore. And it would just ruin me. And then I would say, no, something has to be wrong. So I would go and repeat the process and try to go to a different doctor and maybe hope for a different outcome. But that didn't happen for 11 times. So then I would go home and the whole cycle would repeat again.
3: And, and at that point, you know, it's like, then you're dealing with not only dealing with endometriosis that still hasn't yet been diagnosed, but you're tagging onto that, the mental health, you know, yeah. um, I think that, that was you're the going most challenging through. thing. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. That's...
2: I thought I was crazy.
3: Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
2: Th- things didn't make sense because I didn't think I was a hypochondriac, and I know I have a very high pain tolerance just because of other things I've done, you know. I have, lo- I have loads of tattoos. I was a gymnast. I, I had injuries before, like, and every We're time... You in the
3: fucking army, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, but that's not the impressive part. <laughs> um, but, you know, I didn't think that I was being a baby, but I was made to believe that I was, you know? And and I just I and I stopped believing myself at some point.
1: Yeah. So Was that like a culture? Was it like a... Because, just because of, um, what, like, do you think that the the center of that or the, re, the, uh, the uh, like, the genesis of that is, is that, you know, as a woman, you're really kind of made to think, I mean, you, you mentioned it, that, like, this is how I'm supposed to feel. Like, this is what it feels like to have a period.
2: I think like it's wh- something that common that happens with that, actually, is that endometriosis has a strong genetic link and... Um, if your sister or your mother has it, I think you have either some, something between four and seven times increased chance that you're going to have it yourself. So often it runs in families. And then your only example of what having a period should be like is from someone that suffers a lot themselves.
1: Right? right. And, Did you and talk I always saw family? my mom
2: have terrible period pain and I thought, OK, that's just how it is. Right. Yeah. So I would I would I never ever in my life had a period where I didn't take painkillers. I don't think I can handle it. But mm-hmm. I would just swallow like all that pack, I guess, and go to school or go to the army or go to uni mm-hmm. and pretend that this is all OK. Mm-hmm. Really do, you have, do
1: you have like a I, I, uh, I had my I had a booster shot today for mm-hmm. COVID and I had a re- I had a really, <laughs> really bad experience after the second dose. Like I got really sick mm-hmm. and I and and so today when I got my my shot, the pharmacist was like, I, I asked him if, if you know, if, if I got really sick after the second dose, should I expect to get sick after this one? He, he was like, yeah, unfortunately, it, it's probably pretty likely that you'll have similar symptoms. And and so I was, I've been sitting around all day kind of dreading it because it was really fucking horrible. And, and so I say that in, in the sense that that has really sucked for me today. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you have said, something.
0: alternatively, you could be in a truck convoy headed to Parliament Hill. So <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> like yeah. The yeah. latter decision <laughs> yeah. kind of sucked. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: And and so I say that to <laughs> Canadian
3: politics.
0: <for laughs> yeah. Canadian no. politics. For yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I say that in the, in, in the, with the thought in mind that, you know, you live with something that comes around, um, you know, I'm, well, you mentioned, I mean, it's also the kidney thing, but like you yeah. have this thing that comes every month that just like. Brings with it excruciating pain. Like, how do you approach that mentally when you mm. know that that is coming around? And and saying that in the context of knowing that you also deal with other things that
2: honestly, you I'm not even sure pain. what's worse. Because the thing is, I so like I said for for the past eight years, it's just been constant pain every day. But it does fluctuate. So some days are better, some days are worse, and also that like the type of the pain would change. Like it would be hot or burning or like cramping or heavy or stabbing. Like it would feel different on different times. Whoa. So, um, but then the thing is there's the times where I know I'm going to feel awful, like you said, and I can, and I know it's coming. And that for, I think for a few years, I low key kind of gave me anxiety cause I would, I would really dread it. And I knew that it's coming in a few days and I would get really, really stressed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, another bonus thing that happens with endo is sometimes you can just get a pain flare, like a flare-up, that, that, that doesn't even have to do with anything, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I try to eliminate triggers, and I've changed my diet like a gazillion times, or, you know, a lot of things to try to understand somewhat what's causing it. But a lot of the times it's out of my hands, and it will just mm. come. And not knowing when it will hit and when you're, where you're going to be, is really stressful as well because it could just, it can go 0 to a 100. Like I could be somewhat fine, so in pain, but let's say on a 1 to 10 scale I would be on a 4, which is a good day for me. But then all of a sudden it could go to an 8, and I'll be, you know, vomiting in pain, and I could be Ooh. in public, I could be at work, I could be at school, mm-hmm. and you just have to deal with it.
0: Is there a moment where you're like, oh, fuck, that was the worst or most inconvenient time for like one of those terrible flare-ups? I think flare-ups? I feel
2: a... That, that way often <laughs> so every yeah. time I feel like that one was the worst I had definitely some like really bizarre situations where I was I was performing with this artist and I was their backing vocalist um and you know we, we had two gigs in a day and I just it, out of nowhere felt like you know my stomach was just like clenched like it was oh. unbearable pain while I was on stage didn't know what to do with myself then the show ended and I just went and I puked in the bathroom and I laid no. like in the backstage and I was like, call me Uber, I'm done. But I had to keep going on stage and that's something that you just have to do, oh, you Jesus. know, and smile and move. And it's like every yeah. movement and, you know, singing when <laughs> your stomach hurts is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, it was, it was terrible. And, and I've had so many stories like that. It's not even like anything to write home about.
3: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to know about, um, you know, a- after receiving your diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, which, which I know through speaking with, you know,
1: yeah. hundreds
3: <laughs> and hundreds of people over the last six years, that the experience of, of finally getting a diagnosis of something that you've, you've anticipated and expected was the problem, um, that experience can be a really liberating one. Um,
2: so for me it was very bittersweet
3: Okay, yeah, please tell, tell us a little bit about that
2: So it was another day of me going to the doctor Not expecting to hear any news Because, you know, when I, it was just a normal day I had a scan two weeks before, before that um, And I just went in and I was expecting the same old answer uh, And I was in between classes I had to walk back to university after So, you know, it was kind of like I didn't think anything of it um but then I go in and she said so the scan shows you have an endometrioma which is an an endometriotic cyst had it on my right ovary and she and she, the doctor says it means you have endometriosis and that's what's causing all your pain. And I'm sitting there and what I'm hearing literally like in my head when she says that is you're not crazy you're not over exaggerating mm, this makes mm. sense we believe you. Like for me it it all that validation just started kicking in. And that was extremely liberating and it was such a relief. It was like, I started crying. Mm
1: -hmm. I couldn't help it.
2: Um, It was almost like cathartic after all these years and I didn't expect it as well. It came out of nowhere. Um, But then the flip side of that, was that if there was one thing that was actually good about not getting a diagnosis is that I held on to this hope. That one day I will meet the right doctor That will listen to me properly Send me to the right tests Diagnose and cure me And this shit will be over
0: Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank Jessie
2: Crookshank I thought with a diagnosis comes the ending of the story. Mm. Little did I know that it was just the beginning of a whole other journey that is 10 times harder. <laughs> but then she goes, so this is chronic, you'll probably have it for the rest of your life, and it's progressive, so maybe be prepared for the fact that it's going to get worse. And she, can't, she didn't say it in these exact words, but it wasn't much sweeter than that. She didn't show your COVID whatsoever. And mind you that at that point, I was not terrible pain every single day I was having a bad day every day every day was a fight I don't even know how I finished my degree like I had to the amount of willpower I had to had to get myself out of bed shower and leave the house that was that was just an unbelievable challenge every morning and I was desperate for help I was like just just do something just give me something take this away from me and you know I was happy. She said you have endometriosis. I go cool. What do we do? Um, do you don't me to take antibiotics. Is there, is there a shot? You know how do we go about this? I was very chill about it. Um, but then she said no. You're this is this is going to stay and it's gonna get worse and you probably need surgery. Um, and it was just like blank. Mm-hmm, you know. Right. And it everything completely changed. And I and that was a really really tough thing to hear. And then to top it off, she also says. And by the way, there's a 50% chance you, this might make you infertile, but we'll talk about it next time. I'm like, uh huh? Next time? <laughs> what? So, I, and I'm alone. I didn't bring anybody with me to the appointment. Again, I thought it was like a random one more time at the doctor's thing. And I walk out and I have 40 minutes to be in my next class in uni. And it's a typical gray, uh, rainy day in London. I put on my hoodie, I put on my favorite album. Um, in my headphones I pretty much thought I was in a movie because you know it was just like I was walking and there was this, this dramatic scene that's trickling me I know ring. that
3: feeling yeah. I know yeah. that and feeling <laughs> what was the, do you remember the album what was the album
2: obviously it was Blood by Leanne Havas, which she's my queen and I have a girl crush on her for so long now
1: <laughs>
2: she's, she's amazing and I was listening to her angelic voice and and not knowing what I was feeling I was so overwhelmed and I had so many mixed feelings I was so happy and so relieved and and, you know, but I was I was so angry, you know, and and I was so mm. sad and I just I couldn't process it. I, I sobbed. I was crying the whole time. Mm. I walked for like 30 minutes with my hoodie on my face, like crying, walking to uni, got there, didn't want to talk about it with anybody, <clears throat> went to the toilets, fixed myself, put on some more makeup and pretended for the rest of the day that everything was fine, which is my specialty, So it wasn't too hard. <laughs> um, but I, then, I, yeah, it was a I, really I, big moment.
0: I, I can't help, but like feel like, I feel, I feel like, uh, um, I feel like I'm a, I'm a bit of an empath and, and like thinking about the, like all of those emotions that you're feeling, it's like almost overwhelming for me to think about the, yeah. the feelings that you're feeling because there's just so many different ones, like, like that, that relief of like finding out that it's something, but also like the, the, the fear and like the <clears throat> sadness about what you've found out. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, a lot to handle. Um, I, I'm curious about how the next few weeks, days or weeks sort of panned out after that, like, uh, do you have to come up with some sort of game plan or is there Yeah, So I, do? I
2: was told I needed surgery, but I was confused and this was, Three and a half years ago, and Endo has made a really big jump in terms of like media coverage and just awareness mm. in general in the past like two years, I would say, so when I was googling it, not so much came up, and I was very, very lost, and two different doctors were telling me two different things I was completely you know overwhelmed with emotion didn't know what to do i was i was I was really, really lost with this mm-hmm. um, and then it that actually led me to this new chapter in my life because I ended up finding answers through the internet. Um, I did what my mom taught me not to do, which is make friends with strangers on the internet. <laughs>
1: um,
2: and that I was a nineties
1: to... rule. <laughs> I know. And
2: I'm a nineties baby, you know, There's, the internet yeah. was scary.
1: The internet not was anymore, scary. <laughs> Not in the right place at least. Now it's <laughs> perfect. And it's sunshine and rainbows and everyone's <laughs> exactly. nice.
2: 100%. Your
0: kids crying. Give them an iPad.
2: <laughs> what Oh yeah. Works every time. No, Buy am no, an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> um, 48 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I went on all these Facebook groups and forums and stuff and I just pretty much wrote my heart out and I said, I'm lost, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to listen to. I don't know if I should go with a surgery or not. And uh, I'm a bit of a geek. So the first thing I did when I did get the diagnosis is order like every single book I could find with endometriosis and the title in it. Yeah, <laughs> and like I educated myself like crazy, and I, I I read or listened to any piece of information I could find. That's how I found Sick Boy, because I was searching for podcasts with crazy. about Endo as well. Um, were
3: there were there any were there any Endo podcasts? Yeah, when there you, were. Oh yeah, sweet.
2: Yeah, that was actually.
1: I that, thought you were asking about from our podcast. Have like, we ever covered this? I was like, <laughs> are, you, are you high right now? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Which would be the craziest on, thing. Honestly, <laughs> finding
2: a... I mean, this is like a side note. but Finding your podcast was one of the best things because everything else that I found was very scientific, medical, cold facts. You know, it was... It, mm-hmm. And it just made my anxiety worse. And also, keeping this to myself for so many years, because mind you, I didn't talk to anybody about this. None of my friends knew I was going through this even. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't... And, you know, I'm kind of like a happy, optimistic, bubbly person and I didn't know even how to approach the subject... I didn't want to be a party... Like, it, I just didn't know how to communicate this. And then I heard the episode that you released in, like, 2016, I believe. Um, like, <clears throat> the first one. And all of a sudden, this, it just became bright. And I was like, oh, I can laugh about this. I can be myself and still be honest... Like it doesn't have to contradict, and that was like a great lesson. And then uh, ever since, I'm a fan, guys. So Ooh. thanks.
0: <laughs> like thanks. I, Thank you.
2: Um, but uh, but yeah. The First I,
0: episode wasn't hashtag pussy problems, was it? No, no, that, no, no, the no. Second no. endo episode.
1: Uh, no, it that might have been the first endo no. episode. Maybe no, that was Van- that was in Vancouver. We recorded yeah, yeah. that, right? Yeah first oh, episode I mean, with Endo really was bad. in your mom 's basement it was yeah yeah
3: okay. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right, with Leslie from here from here yes, that's Good right, Good job with the name thanks leslie's wow. an old friend that was impressive.
0: <laughs>
2: that's the um, but yeah, so i i I spoke to strangers online, and I was absolutely shocked by how much generosity like these women had, uh, women that i 've never spoken to in my life, never met, probably never mm-hmm. will live in different places in the world. And they just took time out of their day and, you know, they sent me, you know, they responded to me with answers. But not only that, some of them sent me their phone numbers and said, call me, I'll help you or I'm here to listen. And I received this, like, super warm embrace and support that I have been missing for so, so long. Mm-hmm. And I really discovered the community. And it was very evident to me that at the moment that I cross <clears throat> from... Needing the support, I will be someone that offers the support.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's very sweet because, like, it's very sweet to hear because <clears throat> the 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 internet can be such a shitty place. So, so when you hear when you when you hear a story of how it's been such a help for somebody, and you know that's we, whenever whenever we hear that somebody's found a community. In a, in a facebook group or a discord or whatever wherever that takes yeah. place it's really fat life it's like, yeah <laughs> fat life it's very it's very um it's very uplifting and reassuring for I me feel because like it is, i've been a pessimist of the internet as of late and i mean
0: i i think that it is changing and not like not even recently like i i feel like when we talk about like the, the 90s and early 2000s <laughs> internet it was like like yahoo chat rooms <laughs> and like there was just like a yeah, general topic same, yeah. and it was just like people going in looking to like get Catalogs, dick pics or something yeah. a chat or send room them. or two but uh but the 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 cool thing about like communities that are built on people with shared experiences in real mm-hmm. in the real world is like yeah. it's it's really it's much easier to and there's there's also like a nice you can choose if you want to approach it with like a, a um, being an anonymous person, which is really nice for some people. Um, you can, yeah, you can choose how much you want to share. There's
2: nothing more reassuring and better than a virtual friend at 2am when you are dying in pain and everyone's asleep and you feel like you're the most alone you've ever felt and nobody understands you. And then all of a sudden there's someone on the other side that gets exactly what you feel.
3: And, yeah. and not to, like, not to make this, like, a, a plug for the show, but, like, <laughs> we, we do. We see that. But in, here it is. <laughs> I mean, we see that here. Like, what, like this right here, this is a stream specifically for our Patreon community that has, that has turned into this really, like, beautiful thing that we've seen grow and, and take on a life of its own through our Discord. The conversations that happen on that, that Discord channel every day are are, like, incredibly heartwarming and to mm. see the people gathering there to share their experience and, and find someone in that, in that, you know, that, that discord channel who is going through something similar and seeing the connection that's made there. It's like, it, it, it warms my heart. Mm. It's so nice to know that these types of things exist out there in the world. And of course we're, yeah. the, like, you know, the sick boy podcast discord channel is not the only it's not unique. Like the, the these things exist on mass now. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's unique to us. You're, you're right. Thank you. Um, I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna promote uh, Friday's episode, which, when
0: this comes out on our general feed, is gonna be a long time ago. But uh, Friday's episode this week is all about AI chatbots oh, yeah, yeah, and right. yeah. and how. You know, they they can be a really great source of someone to turn yeah. to when you want to just talk yeah, about yeah. some of yeah. Potentially, be there, really there's, also, there's also real people well, out there too. The, we just dig yeah, all, we dive into the um, topic
3: in depth on Friday. So. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I <laughs> want to. I want to ask you about. Um, so you know, you get this diagnosis, and and one of the things that you had mentioned was that um, before you got the diagnosis, this wasn't something that you were talking about with the the people in your life, with your family, with your friends. Um, after you got your diagnosis, um, did you, did you find yourself in a position where now that you had, a, 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 you know, a label to put on this thing that you were experiencing, did you feel confident enough to open up to your, your close circle of family, friends, and loved members loved ones? And, and if so, what was that experience like in, in terms of of opening yourself up and and you know putting yourself in that vulnerable position of of actually speaking about what it is that you're going through.
2: So it took me about a year or two I want to say I I had to go to therapy to work on it because I felt like I couldn't communicate it. Mm-hmm. I have I've been trapped in this mindset for so long that I'm not entitled to feel what I feel because I don't have a reason. So every time I actually was honest about what I was feeling I felt like I was complaining or like I was whining or that I, you know I just I, I couldn't you know I felt judged no one judged me but I felt so judged every time I'd, I'd even express it um so it took me it took me some time but eventually what ended up happening is as I made a conscious decision to talk about it and to talk about it a lot <laughs> um because it, it was clear to me that one of the reasons why it took so long and the reason why I'm feeling the the way that I'm feeling right now is because nobody talks about it. Mm. Uh, and and I couldn't take, you know, I couldn't think that I would sit another day on my couch um feeling sorry for myself for having such a delayed diagnosis and not actually being the change I wished would have taken place. So as exposed as it makes me feel, and sometimes it could... it. It used to make me feel very uncomfortable. I, I pushed myself and I, and I made myself do it and, and opened these conversations. And, and I wrote posts about it and I went kind of like public about it. I'm not like a super public persona, but you know, also to like outer circles of my life. Um, and I did that consciously and it felt very, very uncomfortable at first. But the more I did it, I understood that the power and what I'm gaining from it is much bigger than what I'm losing. Like, yes, I'm anxious every time I do it, but I'm earning a lot more and it's worth it. And I want, I don't want, like, I can't take the time back. I will never get an earlier diagnosis and the irreversible damage that has been done for me for waiting a decade with no treatment, that's done. Like, I can't change that, but Mm. I can change someone else's faith. Like the fact that I'm creating these conversations, I already know that I've changed people's lives because they went and got a diagnosis because of things that I've said. Now, I already Mm. know that I'm not taking my own time back but I'm influencing someone else's story and possibly making their journey slightly easier. And that's, that's worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's super oh, yeah. powerful.
3: I, I'd love to uh, take a moment to talk about uh, the endo tarot cards. Yeah. Um, so this is really cool. Like I, I, so full disclosure, I, I got really into tarot in the last like two years uh, because my 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 partner uh, is is like massively into tarot, and of course, um, seeing her draw cards every morning made me curious. And now I have my, my a couple of my own decks. And I've been meaning to tell you, I recently really got into horoscopes. Oh, did you actually really?
2: Yeah. Are you are you <laughs> fucking with me? No, I'm
3: not. I read them in the paper every day. Okay, cool, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, horoscopes are fun every day, um, every single day. Um, so you're this is this is a project that I I just I think is really fucking cool. Um, And if folks want to check it out, uh, you can find it on Instagram uh, at the underscore endo underscore tarot underscore cards. Um, And I want to I want to bring up some of the cards here so we can go through them. Um, Again, this is this is a a live streamed episode um, for our patrons. So if you're just listening at home, uh, you won't be able to see this. uh, But if you want to see this, you know exactly where to go. Um, So these are really cool. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, oh, yeah. you created these yourself. Right, um, and they're it's you, all hand-drawn. All hand-drawn, they're really fucking cool. cool. I love that, um, that artwork. You, you, uh, the, the tarot deck, I believe, is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, 74 cards? Right,
2: I is didn't it, do the entire deck, but I did most of it. It's okay, 60 okay. or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, so we were just looking at uh, the moon, you've got the, the hanged man, which is in the end of tarot deck, is the hanged woman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the tower um, which you know is a very very ominous card very very scary if you get the, the tower card what you, if you get the she's, tower she's what does crying. it mean it could mean a lot of bad things yeah it could mean a lot of have bad things have you ever gotten the tower i've pulled the tower many a time is it scary it's so scary oh uh, you got the hermit card here you can see the hermit i love this is like so what we're looking at here is an image that gnome um, drew of uh, you know a woman uh, in her apartment, with the window open, and you can see outside it 's beautiful, but of course this uh, this woman is is in immense pain and uh, is kind of like secluded to to her home when when everything outside is is beautiful and lovely we 've got the emperor card here, um, which i th- I think this might be my favorite one out of all the <laughs> ones you've put out there. you can see there 's like a an embrace between a, you know a woman who 's struggling and her partner. With all the things that, um, you know, sh- that would bring her comfort, like a, a hot water bottle or some Chinese takeout uh, or a nice like hot cup of tea. Um, <clears throat> and then the, the magician. Um, which and the is, art's so great. It's really beautiful. Like, yeah. I, I, I really do love it. What, what, was the, what was the impetus to create the endo deck?
2: So it started kind of by, co- like, not by accident, but a coincidence because it was the third lockdown in London. Um, and I'm I'm very artsy. I'm always doing something. I'm a musician, but, you know, I always kind of take up on other projects and stuff. But mm. I was bored, you know, it was lockdown. I was sitting at home and every night I would draw tarot cards just for mm. fun. I bought all the colors that Sharpie makes and I just was drawing, you <laughs> know, I was drawing drawing every night. And uh, after I finished making, like, the typical, like, deck you know i i was i was looking for new ideas i did like a drag race deck i did some stuff you know just for fun and then intuitively without thinking about it too much i drew first the strength card and the moon card and i just kind of made them my own because all the if you don't know it then if you don't know tarot but it's all the cards have um this like meaning to them and then mm-hmm. there's different interpretations and different drawings But there's like a typical meaning in like a a typical drawing that goes with the card. But that one of the things I love about tarot is the interpretation, how every deck is kind of a Mm. little bit different and you get like Mm -hmm. a different take. I think that's such an awesome way to communicate different concepts. Um, And so I wrote like a little description of what this interpretation means to me, why this is the moon card or the strength card with the illustration that I've made to go with it. And I did what I know how to do. And I put posted it on the Facebook groups that, you know, the end of Facebook groups. Um, and I didn't see that coming, but I had this crazy response. And so many people DM'd me if I'm selling the cards or where can they see more. And it, it just, it got a lot of attention. <clears throat> and there was a lot of demand. And it was the end of February. And I was thinking to myself, I want to do something for March, which is Lendo Awareness Month. And I wasn't sure what that project would be. And that was just like a bingo. This is my project. I'm going to create um, an Instagram page and I'm going to upload a card every single day. And with each card, I'm going to tackle different like aspects of living with chronic pain and Ooh. more more precisely with invisible pain. Because I think that's part of the struggle uh, for mm. many, many, many people. That's so, so cool. And, and I wanted to give... An insider is looking for something that you won't necessarily learn by Googling endometriosis. Like, it's okay, you can Google it and you can learn what the disease actually means. But what does it actually feel like living with it, you know? Because I think people don't understand. They don't get it, you know, if if you don't experience it. And I don't blame you because there's no way that I would have understood how I feel now if I've never actually went through it. Like me of, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago would have never had guessed that this is how it's like. Mm -hmm. Um, and also because it's invisible, making illustrations and and giving it a visual was very, very powerful, not to me, but also for the feedback that I was receiving. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: People say like, a a picture is worth a thousand words. And, and, you know, I was thinking that, uh, I was thinking that what we should really be doing is maybe we should collaborate with you. And doing uh, Endo Endotero Sick Boy NFT drop because <laughs> yes! an NFT let's
2: do it.
3: is worth ten thousand <laughs> is worth words. ten trillion bitcoins. <laughs> but actually,
0: maybe sick we should, we the, should talk about this after. The, sick boy to the moon.
1: <laughs> we should talk well, about
3: this after. I, I, um, I
0: you let's know, talk we're reco- details later. Email.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> we're, we're recording this. Uh, we're recording this in January, but. Um, but right now, if you're listening to this, um, it is March. And so it is Endo Awareness Month. The timing could not be more perfect. Um, do you, Noam, I know you said that you didn't do um, uh, a card for every card in the deck, but do you, do you have, is that in your, is that in your wheelhouse? Like, is that a plan that you have to like create a full um, tarot deck that is the Endo tarot cards?
2: Um, In all honesty, once March was over, I kind of stopped posting and creating those cards. Um, The account stayed active more behind the scenes because an amazing thing happened there as well. And that's the community that kind of came together um, and and people. And I got to, like, in a way, help a lot of people through that because a lot of people were DMing me. And it kind of made me an authority in a way. I didn't plan on it, but a lot of people kind of looked up to me for information and support and stuff and that was a really awesome thing so i still keep that account alive for that aspect um but i don't necessarily produce more and i'm thinking about it maybe you know march is coming around the corner again and there is a demand people ask me every once in a while if i'm selling the deck so you know um i don't know what the future holds we'll see
3: well, you're going to have a lot more people uh, <laughs> aware of the deck now, so it yeah. might, might be time. Maybe uh, might I need to time. get
2: drawing, get to work. That's right. Might I, time.
3: Actually, I want a deck. <laughs> so do I. I. I mean, it would be my third deck, and I would love to have an endoteric I've
2: had a few people that told me that they would love to have that in order to kind of help them communicate, because I've received really beautiful messages um, mm-hmm. to that account from people saying that they showed a specific card or a few cards to a loved one or a family member that didn't necessarily get it before. And that it yeah. really helped them kind of open that communication <clears throat> stream, and that mm-hmm. just made me feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I hit the jackpot. That's what I wanted. In, yeah, it's very. Sweet.
3: In in what ways has um, I mean, you know, polycystic uh, kidney disease, scoliosis, but but specifically endo. Like, in what ways have have your illnesses affected things like your relationships, things like your career as an artist, things like uh, your you know your your hopes and your dreams.
2: Uh, oh, well, there's a lot of questions in there. Um, <laughs> with relationships, it's probably going to be the most relatable one for loads of people. But I, for a long time, I I walked around in, in this world thinking that I'm not worthy of it, what I have. I felt really guilty for bringing all this difficulty into my relationship. Um, I've been with my partner for eight years. So he's been with me since before the kidney incident and how things kind of got worse. And he... When we met and we started dating, I was a very different version of myself and I felt like I deceived him. He never said it to me. He's the most supportive person on earth and has an amazing heart and and endless patience. But for me, I couldn't help but feel guilty, like I almost like I trapped him, like I sold him a different idea of what he actually got, it's not what he signed up for. And also, um, you know, and just because, you know, having these ailments, I don't feel like myself. My whole relationship with my body changed. I've been depressed. I've been some sometimes physical things are hard. Just living in the same house could be hard. I lean on him more because there are weeks where I'm too tired to do the dishes or do laundry Mm -hmm. or um, and then endo brings more difficulty into that because it's not uncommon to experience pain with sex or bleeding during or after and. You can only imagine that brings, you know, us, that takes a toll on your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also, like, fertility talk. We are not in a place in our lives where that has actually um, made a difference because we're not trying to have kids yet. But we have we've had these conversations. have looked into, like, preserving my fertility and freezing my eggs and stuff. So we, we're very much aware that once the day comes, it might not be an easy route. And it might even be impossible for me. And we just don't know yet. Mm-hmm. um all those things they you know they, they they make a difference and for the longest time for me I felt super guilty about it and it was only when I stopped looking only on my little corner and I started opening my eyes and looking at other people and their relationships that it kind of you know clicked that everyone has their baggage this just happens to be mine yeah. um and that everyone brings something shitty with them into a relationship because we're just people and that's how it works. Um, But, and Endo is so common that if we ever break up, there's a 10% chance he's gonna date another woman that is going through this, (laughs) facing the same struggles, but the odds of him meeting a person that will offer him the same amazing things that I bring into a relationship from like, because I also, I'm not just my illness or my, that's like, that's not my, that's not the story of my life. That's one chapter of my book. Ooh. Um, but I, I'm super loyal and I'm warm and, and I'm, and, you know, I'm non-judgmental and there's so many good things I bring into the relationship mm-hmm. that, you know, what are the odds he's going to get that exact combo anywhere else. And that kind of made me value myself and realize my worth. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I, I really, mm-hmm. as much as I'm grateful, he helps me a lot uh, mentally, physically. Um, he's a, he's a big help for me and I do rely on him sometimes, mm-hmm. um, I'm super grateful, and I tell him that every day. I tell him nothing goes unnoticed, nothing goes underappreciated. But this gratitude doesn't make me feel like I've overachieved. And this is a miracle that I have love in my life because now I feel like I do deserve it. But it took me Mm -hmm. a long time to get here.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I I imagine that's really like tough to have those thoughts um, in your relationship. I mean, the reality is that you're the only you on this planet. So True. you'll never find another you. And limited edition. <laughs> and exactly, and uh, yeah, rarer <laughs> than than any of your illnesses uh, or uh, NFTs. <laughs> 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 but uh, I I want to, if, if we can, if you're comfortable with it, um, I'm really curious about digging into the conversation with your partner around fertility, um, especially yeah. knowing that you've been dating for eight years, and I'm sure that like you know the, the conversations that I would have thought about having around fertility when I was like in my early 20s versus, you know, being in my 30s now probably would have evolved a lot, um, in, in, you know, my relationships. Um, how, how has that changed over the course of your relationship?
2: So a fact that you don't know is when I got diagnosed with a PKD when I was 20, as one of the things I was told by the doctor is that, um, the whole pregnancy thing might not come easy for me and if mm-hmm. i do manage to get pregnant i will automatically be um considered pregnancy in high risk
0: mm-hmm.
2: so i've already kind of knew that this isn't going to be easy mm-hmm. um way before i had the endo diagnostic, and at the time we were dating for about a year so very so had a relationship but it was fresh mm-hmm. um and uh and I, I didn't want to tell him at first, but he made me kinda of like you. I didn't want to tell him anything. I was I was bottling it up and he was like, No, but you have to tell me. Like, tell me what the doctor said. And we had a heart to heart and it was a really oddly romantic moment. I feel like it was very intimate, maybe that's the word I was looking for, because
3: hmm.
2: it was probably the most intense and intimate conversation we've ha- we've had until that point. And none of us really thought of having kids anytime since we were both twenty and, and not seeing that in our near future. And I and I told him that, and of course I started crying, and he just hugged me, and there was there was some there was a bonding experience there, um, mm-hmm. and we didn't really speak about it for a few more years. Then after that, you know, because it was just it wasn't on the cards, mm-hmm. um, and the conversation has changed. But I think we're both open to exploring the options when the day comes, and no one can guarantee that this will be an issue. I it might I might be one of the lucky ones where it's not an issue, mm-hmm. but if, even mm-hmm. if it is. Um, I've always wanted to adopt since I was like a kid. Cause I have two adopted cousins and I, and I love the concept. So, you know, maybe, maybe the, that was supposed to be it all along. Who knows?
3: Mm-hmm. No, uh, I gotta say, this is uh, this has been a real treat uh, to sit down and get it, just a slight glimpse into your life in dealing with um, so many different things um, in particular endometriosis. Um, and I, I just want to say on behalf of myself and the guys and all of our patrons and all of our listeners at home, uh, thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your evening, your late in the evening, all the way over in <laughs> London, UK, London, to uh, sit down and chat with us. This has been a real pleasure. And uh, we we really enjoy, uh, we've really enjoyed ourselves here. Can you, can you give our listeners, I, I mean, I don't know if this is something that you want to do, but if you want to like... Let our listeners know how they can keep up with you and your work. I know you're a musician. I know you're an yeah. artist. So please, just like I also write away. about
2: my endo, and um, just, I write about my life. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, please. How, how can people well, stay up to, to date with the work that you do?
2: So obviously, everyone's welcome to the Endo Tarot Instagram. And also, if you're out there and you need someone to talk to and you need support and you resonated with what I said, I'm here for you and just drop me a message. That's the first and most important thing. But then after that, my name is Noam Frank, and you can follow me on Instagram. I have a super cool band. It's called Galactic Dust,
1: and we Ooh. got some songs
2: out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to do loads of cool art projects that are coming up now. So if you just, if, I think Instagram would be the most reliable place. Just come and, let, and drop me a message and, and follow if you want, and we can be friends there.
3: Mm. Amazing. Uh, and again, folks, a reminder, the Endo Tarot Instagram is the underscore endo underscore tarot underscore score cards. Uh, Nome, thank you. This has been really fun.
2: Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure.
3: Hey, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gnome. And again, that was uh, one of our live streams, which uh, we are doing now once a month, and uh, we've opened it up to the public. We usually put tickets on sale maybe two weeks ahead of time. So keep your eyes peeled on social media, at Sick Boy Podcast if you want to stay up to date with that. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We love talking to Nome. What an absolute gem of a human. Um, if you want to support the podcast further outside of just simply listening to it, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're tuning in from. Or if you use Spotify, you can leave a rating in the mobile app. And of course, if you ever want to reach out to us, we love hearing from you beautiful folks. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. If you want to be a future guest, you can go to our website, sickboypodcast.com, and then hit the contact button, and you'll be able to fill out the uh, contact form, the future guest form. We'd love to hear from you. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. We are managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The sound design comes from our good friend Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the now defunct band Take Part. That is it for this week. I am Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.